Guys, is your nose running? Mine is. So if I just uh, take my finger like this, it's okay. Say, it's okay? It's okay to not be okay. I've had a cold. It's not anything serious, but, uh, man, just runny nose weather, all those kind of things. Allergies are next. Welcome to Kentucky, and I'm telling you, you guys are the best. Journey Church is the best. If you're here as a guest, check it out. I'm, I'm telling you, God is up to something. I mean, it's amazing. It is amazing what's going on. You all are bringing people in every weekend. And I can't keep up with everybody's name. I'm going to have to write your name down and wear a name tag myself to figure out who you are. Seriously. There's like two bunches of you. And you're never here all at the same time. So here's what I expect. You're probably all going to show up for Easter. That'll be great. We'll run out of chairs and have to go grab more chairs off the wall back there. And that'll be fun. So I hope it happens. I hope they all come together at the same time. We meet everybody at once. But I tell you, if this is your first time in, inside, or first time online, You'd be shocked, I, I'm shocked, at how many people follow us online from everywhere in the world, states all over the place. People that jump online, that know us, support what we do, a church that's different on purpose, a, per a church that has a strategy to be a different kind of church, different in a God kind of way, to help people that sometimes get overlooked. The stuff like we're talking about giving pillowcases to Shady Lawn, you know, like they're our friends, they really are our friends. We help Shady Lawn and... And uh, parks out all the time. We try to help those two nursing homes. They, they get overlooked. They're older people. They're kind of in places that are uh, hard to get, uh, you know, the attention that they really deserve. We help them with food, meals, clothing, all kinds of different things. But that's just one thing. I mean, we're, we're Journey is that kind of church that looks for stuff that gets overlooked. Say overlooked. So we help people build houses. We're trying to get another house started. We have... A 501c3 nonprofit that's like Habitat. It's called Cha Cha Cynthia Harrison County Home Association Inc. And we've built uh, about seven houses down in that floodplain down there on the river, and uh, help people get in homes that couldn't qualify for a home. Two or three of them are in the room today that have homes that we built through that kind of program. We help people with homes and partner with other people to build homes. And we're trying to get one started in 24. We have a, another piece of property that we have gotten from the city. And the city gives us a lot and says, we'll sell it to you for a buck. Build a house on it. And so we try to build a house on it. And labor's free. Materials are the cost. And then they finance that through our organization. No interest. They pay for that note 20 years. And they own a home. And they would never own a home if it were not possible that way. Journey looks for that kind of stuff. Journey does that kind of stuff all the time. So we're a church for, for you and everybody that you know. And whether you drove in or you walked in or whether you just heard about us, uh, honestly, this is what I really think. And, and this is why Easter is so important. Honestly, I think we just need Jesus. That's the honest and honest truth. And that's, that's all we're about. There is no agenda except that. I don't care what kind of recovery you're in. I don't care what kind of drugs you're trying to get away from, what kind of alcohol history you have. God is for you, man. He is for you. And, and we are trying to help in whatever way we can. So I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad however you came and whoever invited you, I'm glad you came and glad you 
checking things out. And if you come, I say this all the time, but it's, it seems to be the pattern. If you come three times in a row, you're stuck. Now, some of you realize that. Some of you are coming back, and you've been gone for quite a while. And you know some of the history here. You know some of the history of Journey Church. That's a different kind of church next door to AutoZone and a drug clinic on the other side. You know some about us. And you've just kind of got busy in life, circumstances in life. And God's selling early. He's never late. So in 2024, some of you are coming back. And it is a great time. It's a great time to be inside Journey. There's no kind of battles inside for power. There's no kind of issues. Come as you are is true. If you don't have a pair of shoes, we'll get you a pair of shoes. If your socks got holes, we'll get you some new ones. I promise you. We've got some, we've got some uh, diapers in the back right now. Somebody hand me a couple of bags of diapers. If you've got a baby that needs a few diapers before you go home today, I'll hand you a couple bags of diapers, brand new, still in the pack. They're, they're right back there right now. We've got backpacks for people that are homeless and standing on a corner and they're cold and they need, they need a bottle of water, an MRI box, something to eat. I don't know what their story is. They could go to a shelter, but they won't go to a shelter. But if you know somebody that's standing on a corner and they say, help me, we'll give you a backpack that you can help them with. Take one. We'll hand it to you. And it's free. That's the kind of church I'm talking about. So you've come to the right place if you're, if you're looking for a church that helps people and cares about people. And uh, we just need help doing it. We need resources and volunteers and we need captains, and some of you are stepping up to do that. So God bless you. May your tribe increase, and may you really enjoy coming today. So there's a bunch of kids back there. I'd better hurry up, or they're probably going to be mutiny in the back room, and we're all in trouble. They'll take, they'll take the building over. So here we go. Let's talk about this wrap-up to the series called Zip It. And uh, I want to talk about gossip a little bit, and I'll define it. But let's start with this verse. James chapter 3, we're talking about the mouth and how a tongue gets us in trouble sometimes. We complain too much, we criticize too much, and we gossip too much. So how do I become a better person, God? I'm just one guy, one girl. How do I do better? Well, let's talk about it. Here's what James, half-brother of Jesus, one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, grew up in the house that Jesus grew up in. They had, they were a blended family, they, they were stepbrothers, so to speak. They had the same mama but had a different daddy. Some of you come from different kind of backgrounds. James, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up and became a leader in the church in Jerusalem, and he knew a lot of the words of Jesus. And when it comes to the tongue, he wrote some of it down. So, verse 5, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. It's that old tongue that gets us into trouble. James says, verse 6, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil, among all the parts of the body. Tongue and a nose and an ear and a knee. Oh, my hip hurts. All kinds of problems, but your tongue gets you, gets you in more trouble than anything else quicker than you can blink an eye, snap your fingers. Say amen. amen. I mean, yeah, I, I, got, I got arthritis and everything else, but it's the tongue it really gets us into trouble, James says. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. 
So honestly, when it comes to the tongue and our words, the Bible has a lot of positive things to say about how you can use words to build people up. And all of you at Journey, God bless you, you're getting good at that. You really are getting good at using your words to give life to other people who feel like I'm hopeless. You're not hopeless. Nobody's hopeless. There is hope for everyone. Jesus changes everything. And it's never too late. And honestly, you at Journey are sharing some words of life, lifting up people, and they're coming to check out what kind of church would tell them that because they feel like they're in trouble. And maybe they are financially. Maybe their marriage is just not going to work out. Maybe they've been to treatment and, you know, they've done detox and they've tried it and it just hasn't worked. Honestly, I think we just need Jesus. It's the honest to goodness truth. And until we can get there, until we can help you, we'll pray with you and we'll try to coach you and guide you. And you guys are using your words in a positive way to encourage people and help people put marriages back together, to guide them to some kind of recovery in their personal life, some kind of journey where they've had maybe a, a loss or maybe some kind of failure where they've let themselves down or let God down or, you know, they reoffended in some way. There are many positive things that you are doing as a church family by using your words. And I applaud you for that. And it's not always easy to stay positive, but you really are doing that. Many of you are doing that. So James tells us, and the Bible tells us, you can use your tongue and you can use it in a good way to build things, build people and encourage people and help them recover. But there's also a dark side. I've got to talk about that too. And it's also a part of the reality of just being human. We're not Jesus. There's the dark side where our words cause a lot of damage. And I think sometimes we just, it, it gets out of control when we don't realize how much damage our words can cause. And we begin to destroy the relationships and and David writes in Psalm 57, we'll look at that one. Let's look at that one next. David describes it like words which are out of control become like a sharp edge, become like, become like a dagger to the heart. It, it becomes like a sword or a lion's teeth that are sharp. And so here's how the message paraphrase reads. David says, I find myself surrounded, and maybe that's how you feel right now. Like you, like, I, I don't have a friend in the world. I don't, I don't know if these people at this place called Journey Church will even like me. If they knew who I really was, I don't know if they'd really like me at all. Maybe you feel like you're surrounded by enemies and don't have a friend in the world. Well, that's not true. God is your friend. Jesus is your best friend. He wants to be your Savior. And Journey Church really does care whenever people have harmed or hurt you in some way with words. And that, that happens to all of us. And David says, it's happened in my life. I find myself in a pride of lions who are wild for a taste of human flesh. And maybe you work with somebody that just wants to ruin your life. Maybe they just want to ruin your career. You know, maybe somebody on social media is just sharing stuff that is not true. 
and uh, it hurts. Their teeth are lances and arrows. Their tongues are sharp as daggers, and it hurts. Say amen. So there is a good side, and I applaud you for being the kind of church family that tries to find how to build up John 10.10. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God's building. Oh, man, wasn't that a great K-Love song? Oh, my goodness, wasn't that a great worship message that preacher had? Oh, my goodness, wasn't it so nice that we got our family together? And you have a great moment where God's building you up, and in about a nanosecond, Satan comes in and tries to tear it all down, and he might use a person, a human being, who says something like a dagger that cuts to the heart and ruins every good kind of vibe that you felt when you walked into the room. Amen? Amen. Before you get out of this building today, before you walk out of here, I promise you, be careful. Be careful. Somebody's going to say something carelessly, and you've had a great time. The food was great. The coffee was great. People were friendly. They shook my hand. Everybody smiled like they were glad I came. But before you get up out of this white chair and walk to the parking lot, somebody's going to let go of some kind of word that you're going to say, and it's just going to, like, oh, wow, that hurt. Why'd you say that? Amen? Amen? Satan's at work even while we're sitting here. He wants us to get all aggravated and frustrated and foolish about something that really doesn't matter. In 100 years from now, it really won't matter a whole lot of the things that we get mad about. So you've got to calm down. Say, calm down. You've got to focus, and you've got to let the Holy Spirit and God lead you with the Bible, and then people around you in a fellowship like this that really care about you genuinely and understand that we all have struggles and everybody's got a story like David's story. The background in Psalm 57 written by King David is during a time in his life before he actually gets officially crowned as king. Some of you are right on the edge of, I'm going to get that promotion before the year is over. You've, you deserve it. You've earned it. Somebody's recognized you. Your supervisor knows that you're the best guy for this, this new position, but it hadn't happened yet. And so for David, he's not yet crowned king, even though God says, you're my next king. And so Psalm 57 is this moment before he gets to rise to popularity. And it's during this period when many of his enemies are jealous. Jealous of his success. They're angry. They hate him. And they begin talking about him publicly. Gossip. They begin to gossip about him, hoping to discredit his character in some way that they can ruin him. So they spread lies trying to bring him down, and literally in his instance, in King David before he became king, they chased him from mountain to cave. You probably quit that job and went to another job, and you thought, okay, now it'll be better. There's a knucklehead every job you go to. Say amen. amen. There is some knucklehead that's just going to make it miserable if they can. Because they're trying to use their words and Satan uses them in a way that's like a dagger that's tearing down what you're trying to build up. So it's just the way people are. And David found himself in this conflict where people were relentlessly chasing him like a lion with sharp, hungry teeth who smells blood. And so you know what David did? 
Well, I would ask that you try too. He prays for a little mercy. Mercy me, Lord. I need some help. I need a little help here. Pray for some mercy. You need mercy. Say amen. We've got kids in the room. There's kids in the back. God bless you guys. And God bless those guys back there. I'm telling you, I'm going to walk away. That means he's not even going to look at his notes. He's just going to talk to me. So here we go. I tell you guys, kids are struggling with their identity and who the heck they are. They're losing their confidence. And schools are cruel. And there are a lot of kids that sit alone. They sit alone on the bus. They sit alone uh, in the gym. They stand alone at the locker. And if you've got a kid or a grandchild that is all alone, man, you pull them aside and say, honey, let's pray for God's mercy because your kids need a little mercy too. Say amen. You think it's tough for adults, and it is. It's tough for these kids too. They're growing up in a culture that has made an art of this, put-downs. They aren't just practicing put-downs like we used to be, like, nano, nano, you know, you got a big nose or something. They become professional. And they've got a social media network of friends where it gets blown out of proportion. And it is challenging. And so encourage every kid that's sitting in the room today. <laughs> encourage every person that's got a grandchild because they are really having it tough. And... Uh, God's going to use them in great ways. Their future, their potential is unlimited. They can do great things for God in the world. There's all kinds of careers that you can choose and ways to get there. But don't grow weary and discouraged because of what other people gossip about you. That's not true. And you who are adults in the room, pray for them. Pull them aside and Take the phone down their hand for a second and say, let me, let, let's just lay this down. Let's you and me pray for a second and pray that God will bring a little mercy. Give them a little mercy and that this will let up. It won't leave forever because Satan is relentless, but it will sometimes because we pray for mercy in each situation specifically. God does give us mercy. Mercy me. We need a little. All right. So let me give you before I wrap this up and we do communion, I better hurry up and wrap up. Let me give you two takeaways. Here's two takeaways when it comes to the tongue and our gossip. And how our sometimes words tear down a lot more than they build up. If you're writing this down and you're taking some of these teaching points home with you, here's the first one. Our tongue, <coughs> our tongue is actually neutral, but... When it's used in a destructive way, it leaves a path of destruction. Put that in there. It leaves this long path of destruction. Bullies at school and bullies at work, they look for a victim. They look for somebody who is a loner or all alone or isolated. And they're really good at it. They single them out. If you're a divorcee, if you've been divorced, a guy or a, a girl, either one, if you're a single parent, at work, you get identified and labeled as someone who is weaker. And that person who is that bully in the room that I've described finds you and seeks you out. And that kind of person leaves a long list of people that they have injured that's destructive. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. 
in the NIV translation. James said earlier, and Paul says in Ephesians, the apostle, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth or mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So the tongue can be a dangerous thing. And the way that I illustrated it last night, and everybody seemed to think that was a great idea, I'll try again. So be careful. The tongue is dangerous. It's like packing a pistol in your pocket. So some of you have a you, you've got the per permit. You carry your own. But let's just say, if you've got one in your pocket, if you've got the permit to protect your family, a pistol in your pocket, well, what James, the word picture or metaphor that I want to use is, you'd better have a trigger guard for your pistol in your pocket. You don't want to be like Barney Fife, who's got one bullet, and a pistol in your pocket because you're going to pull it out and shoot your foot off. Say amen? amen? The tongue is like that. The tongue is like that. I got a pistol in my pocket. Man, I got a bunch of words that I could I could throw out. There. I got a bunch of words that, man, I can do some, I can do that. And you yank it out without a trigger guard, without a safety, and you shoot a hole somewhere that you didn't mean to go. So what's the trigger guard that we have for our words? It's found here in this verse I just read. Verse 29, chapter 4. And it says, don't use foul or abusive language. So it's funny when we see Barney and his single bullet and his pistol get discharged and scare old Barney and Andy half to death. It's funny like that. But it's not so funny when someone does it on purpose, trying to destroy and become destructive, and they don't have any kind of safety set, and they don't have any kind of filter for their words, and they just pull it out, out of their pocket, and they just let it go. And it's a really vivid word picture of this destructive path of our words that happen to us as people and people around us who destroy relationships got another question for you before you write this next one down where were you 50 years ago I don't raise your hand because some of you weren't even in the world yet <laughs> a lot of you are way younger than that but where were you 50 years ago in February this week 50 years ago in February 1974 where were you at if you were here you were hiding from a tornado that went through this community and went through Connersville and about destroyed it 50 years ago. And that's another word picture that I want to give you of what happens when you don't have a trigger guard. You don't have a filter. You don't have any control over a tongue and what you say. And it's like the damage that can be done, the destructive damage that happens like a tornado that comes through your community and you're innocent. Your house is innocent, but it doesn't care. Wherever the storm goes, it's like the tongue that lands like a bomb and blows everything up on the ground 
and there is no way to stop it. And so he asked God for some help now before it happens, before you let something loose, something come out of your mouth uh, that's you know more about demolition and cleanup than it is a building project. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 again, in the New Living Translation says, don't use foul or abusive language. Some of you need to clean up your mouth. Well, that's a whole lot to say, preacher. Why? Because you're worse than a tornado that comes into the room. And you don't even know it. Now, some of you are looking like, I don't want to look at him right now. I'm looking down. I don't want to. It's the truth. We do, we do have to think through this because some of us don't realize the damage that we're causing until it's already done. And, and the tongue and our words can leave a destructive trail and uh, <clears throat> we can really hurt people by what we say. So as followers of Jesus, filter your mouth. I shouldn't, I shouldn't get off track here, Mike. Mike's smiling at me like, here he goes again. I know what I'm talking about. Until I met Jesus and Uncle Sam and got drafted into the military, into the Army in 1972, I'm the last one that got drafted in Harrison County, Bobby Duncan. Mm -hmm. until that happened the words that were coming out of my mouth were the most crude kind of words that I could come up with and it was uh, destructive what I would say and what I did say and I became somewhat embarrassed with my wife we've been married 51 years but her friends and her church family and her family uh, I could I could control my words and language when I was in that audience, but when I wasn't in that audience, Katie barred the door. It was like every man for himself. I was priding myself on how cool I could be. I was at Bianchi's having breakfast. I worked at Weber's. I loaded trucks at 3 a.m. And we had breakfast after loadout, loading the trucks. Went to Bianchi's 6 o'clock and had breakfast. And I'm with older men, and I'm a younger guy. I'm 20. I think I'm the smartest guy in the world. And I'm, I'm sharing a really bad story which shouldn't be told anywhere, which I was telling in public. And I was getting all kinds of hee-haws and hoots from the big old guys that were at the table, and I thought I was really cool until I looked next to us at the table beside me, which was about three feet away, and it was my wife's Sunday school teacher, the husband and wife. And I looked at them, and they looked at me, and I looked back, and they... And if I could have dug a hole and died, I would have right there. Say, right there? It was humiliating. It was, it was humiliating. And it, and it was a lesson that I've never forgotten. And so I'm cautioning you about your words. You guys who have said, oh, that's just farm words. Or that's just my bowling words. Or that's just the words that I use at the garage. It's also words that you use by accident in other places that slip. And it's like you drop something that blew up. So filter your words because people matter most. Say amen? amen. Okay. Because you're going to leave a long path of destruction if you don't clean up your mouth. Here's number two. <clears throat> 
once you decide you can do better and you want to be a better version and watch your words so you can help God build things instead of destroy things, <clears throat> the best place to start is just by asking for forgiveness. Put that in there. That's the best place to start with an oil spill. That's the best place to start with some kind of tornado damage cleanup. It's just to, just to try to say to everybody that's involved, I'm sorry. Start with those two words. Say to God first, God, I'm sorry. I just blew it up. I blew up my marriage. We've been to counseling. We were doing so good. I've been to... I've been to some kind of recovery program. I've been to some kind of celebrate recovery with other people. Where I've done so well, God, but I just let go and it got loose. And so I've, I'm ashamed of what I said and I regret what I said. And So God, will you forgive me? Go to God first. Say God first. Just say I'm sorry. You don't have, you don't have to plead for mercy. He'll give you mercy. He's gonna, he is merciful. But you do need to ask God to forgive you. Start with that. Start with, I, I'm sorry. And then whoever it is that's involved in your life that you hurt in some way and you damaged in some way and maybe you destroyed in some way, if you can, say, if you can, just tell them you're sorry. Now, some of you can't do that because the marriage has already ended. Somebody's already died. Somebody's already living in another state. Some of you can't do that. You can't go to them and say, I'm sorry for what I said. But you can do it with you and God. You can personally ask God to help you take that off your chest and off your mind and off your guilt and get rid of that and purge that and cleanse that because Jesus changes everything. Say amen? So even if you can't go back to the past, what you can't do where you are right now is just say to God and then say to yourself, God, I'm sorry. I wish I'd had a chance to make this better earlier, but will you take this burden from me and hand it over? And God will. That's the best thing that we can do is just hand it over to God and begin to clean up in our personal life before you need some kind of hazmat team. I mean, it gets so bad, you can't go in the house. You are the house of God. The Bible describes us as people as the house of God. So just imagine somebody who says, I can't get around you anymore because you need a hazmat crew to come in and clean up the damage that you've done there. It's not safe. It's not, amen? I know people like that, and some of you know that as well. It's, it's that kind of destruction and damage that's being caused by our words. And so stop now and say to God, I'm sorry. Before we get to communion, say to God, I'm sorry. And then try to tell someone else that you've hurt and damaged in some way. Just look and say, hey, I'm sorry. I just didn't realize how much damage I was causing, and I hope I get another chance before you have to call in some kind of big cleanup crew because that's all you've got left. Here's another passage, Matthew chapter 5, gives us some guidance on that. Let's look at that, Matthew 5. This is how I want you to do it. If you're going to really take communion and you're going to begin to worship me and try to get things aligned again and straightened out, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon the offering. Leave immediately and go to this friend and make things right. Just say you're sorry. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Verse 25. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you or stops you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right, if you can. At least say you're sorry. 
After all, if you leave the first move to them, he or she, knowing their track record, you're likely to end up in court. Yeah, that's where you're going to end up going next. Maybe even jail. Yeah, that's what happens usually. If that happens, you won't get out with some kind of stiff penalty or fine. You're going to lose. Everybody's going to lose. So try to end this sooner than later because of something that you said. Start by saying, I'm sorry to God and then to the people that you can. So let's wrap this up. And we're going to do communion. So you guys go back there to the trays who are going to help me serve communion. When we started this series called Zip It, we started talking about how sometimes we are uh, complaining way, way too often and we need to get a new perspective. If, if you are complaining about everything, you need to start some kind of new system. And probably the first place to start is get away from negative people. If you're hanging out with negative people, you are going to be negative also. So stop complaining. Stop belly aching. Live in green acres, not belly acres. Change it around. Come on, guys. And, and try to get a new perspective by getting a new friendship circle. Try a church. Try a small group. Try something that's more positive. Lesson number two, criticism that goes bad is when we hurt people on purpose with our words and jealousy is probably behind it. If you can't be happy for somebody else's success, they got a job and you didn't, you got a problem. Say problem? Yeah, you got a problem. And so zip it, guys. Don't be so complaining and critical about other people, but try to be a cheerleader instead of party pooper trying to say everything about someone else because you're jealous. And then today, don't gossip about things when people tell you personal information. Happens all the time in a church. You want somebody to pray for something, and so you tell them the truth, and you give them a lot of information, but you thought it was going to be private. Heck, next thing you know, it's on Facebook, and everybody's talking about it. Like, how did you find that out? Well, so-and-so told me. And, uh, yeah, watch what you're doing. Watch what you're saying about prayer stuff. It sounds like a great idea, but really what we're doing is just gossiping about somebody else. Not a good thing. Say, not a good thing? Yeah. If, it, if it's not about you and the person you're talking to, if it's about somebody else that's not even in the room, don't even say it. Don't even bring it up. If our words are like a bomb dropped on the ground at work or at home or around the water cooler, rather than words that build people up and encourage them, you got to begin to clean up. So let's begin now. Let's begin to go and try to fix some things before we take communion. So you guys go ahead and pass these trays. The bottom line is, are you ready to begin the cleanup? That's the bottom line. And I'm going to get these two cups. The, the bread is in the bottom and the juice is in the top. If you'll hang on just a second, as soon as you get your communion, if you follow Jesus and if you're a Jesus follower, then you ought to probably take this communion and go back to the cross and say, God, mercy me. Will you give me a little mercy? Because I sure have been letting loose with a lot of words I shouldn't be using. Maybe that's you. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you probably should pass on the communion. I see all the time the kids grabbing these cups because it's something that they can chew on and something they can swallow. And they don't understand 
really the communion is for people who already have a Jesus relationship. That's, that's who communion is for. It's for anyone who has surrendered and know we're in trouble because I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and I'm still a sinner. It, it is for all of us. It's not about us being perfect. It is that God is perfect. It's for, it's for everyone who follows Jesus and is still trying. Jesus is your Savior and He's still working on us. All right, looks like everybody's got a cup. You guys who are home with us, hope you'll grab something and do communion with us too. If you follow Jesus, and Jesus is your Savior. Mark chapter 16, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. What's your problem? I don't think God can handle that. Really? Really? What's your problem? Jesus changes everything. Do you believe? She went and told those who had been with him, who were mourning and weeping, And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe her. God went to the worst one in the room first at the tomb and appeared to her. Maybe you're that person today. Maybe it's someone that God's talking to right now. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Do you really believe that Jesus changes everything? Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Are you a skeptic? Are you a doubter? Let it go. Jesus changes even you and me. Together? Cup? Pray. Let's pray. God, we are stubborn people, and we refuse sometimes to believe. And I pray if we have just now taken this little bread and this cup, which represents Jesus on the cross, that you have moved us and nudged us closer to what Easter is really all about. That we don't deserve it, we didn't earn it, nothing we could do about it. But it is a gift that we can receive called mercy and grace and forgiveness. May we now look at ourselves with our chin up and our chest out. May we walk more straight. May we believe more deeply that you really are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You guys at home, they're going to pass these plates. You can drop your little cups in the basket. And if you've got something to share with Journey in the plate, if you're a guest, don't put something in there. 
we're glad you're our guest. But if you want to give us a nickel or a quarter or five bucks, put it in that tide jug and we'll go buy some pillowcases because we're going to give those away. And uh, for everyone else, all you guys that are home, online, watching, or wherever you are, hope to see you. Come on and join us Easter. We got some more chairs. We'll pull them out. And you guys come on back. If you found something today that God is doing something in your life, come back and join us again next weekend. Brand new series called I Believe. Let's stand. We're going to sing one more song.